Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. The title of my message, let me give it away. The lost are found. I'm so expectant and excited for what God's going to do in this house. And you can see we have banners. He's going to be up here the rest of the year to remind us what our priority and our mission is. Come on, we're leading people into life transformation with Jesus Christ. And if you have your paper Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And for those of you who really do like fluffy, feel-good messages, I can promise you this. This won't be that. Sorry. I have this word burning on my heart with a great passion and intensity. And I believe that it's going to readjust the ways in which we live. See, we are being called into the uncomfortable today. Are you with me? I believe it's going to bring revival to our land. I believe that we're going to see a harvest like we've never seen before. I'm going to stick today with the word of God and keep it locked into the scriptures. Through that, I believe that you will be empowered and enabled to do exactly what God has called us as a body to do. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, everyone say all authority, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything, everyone say everything, I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Aren't you grateful he's with us? One of Jesus' last commands to his disciples, he stands in all authority given to him by God, and he gives this great commission. Do you see it? all authority. So every bit of authority on heaven and every bit of authority on earth, he gives this command. He says to go into the world and make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded the disciples. And in all the moments of your life and of your journey, he's going to be right there with you to the very end of the age. Come on, they're not fighting this fight alone. They're not going on this journey alone. They have the spirit of the living God within them always to the very end of the age. In Grace City, Tampa, I believe that some of Jesus' last words on this earth need to be our first priority. This assignment Jesus gave to his disciples, all authority has carried through the disciples for generation after generation after generation, over 2,000 years, and we are living in the days of going and making disciples right here, right now. And I wanna take the next couple of minutes to talk about how we are gonna intentionally be the front runners of the lost are found in 2023. Can we pray? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it speaks to us. Even probably every person in this room has heard Matthew 20, 18 multiple times in their lives. And Lord, I pray that it would speak to us in a fresh way today. Lord, I pray that this word would be written on us and we would pursue it with great passion. We thank you for what you're gonna do in and through this house. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. There's something significant that happens when something that has been lost is found. The person who owns it is overjoyed. When I was a facilities guy at a church about 14 years ago, I was in charge of the lost and found. And this church was about 30,000 people. And so there was a huge room full of all of these different articles. And what we would do as a staff is we had sticky notes at the door. So every time one of these articles, piece of clothing, you know, piece of equipment would come in, we'd write a sticky note with our name on it and put it in this room. And so we would wait a couple of months and when nobody had come for that thing, that thing became our thing, you know what I'm saying? And one of the things was this leather jacket. Now a leather jacket that I could have never worn. I don't really wear leather jackets anymore. I probably would have still worn this one. It was real leather, so nice. And I remember eyeing this the first day it came in and I put my name on that thing multiple times. I'm like, this is gonna be my jacket. I waited months and months and months and finally no one had come for the jacket. So you know what I did? Sunday before that Sunday night service, I walked into that lost and found, ripped that sticky note off, put it on, walked into church that night. You know, people are commenting, oh, great jacket, Alex. I love it. I'm like, thank you guys. Yeah, yeah, I worked hard for this one. Yeah. And uh, I, then this guy runs up to me. Bro, is that my jacket? Uh, I mean, maybe. He's like, dude, did you take my jacket? <laughs> no, it was in the lost and found. And he puts it on and you could just see he was overjoyed. He found his jacket. He told me the story that this was a jacket that his dad gave to him on graduation. And he was devastated that he had lost his jacket. I remember sitting back being devastated and excited that this guy had found his long lost jacket. Good for you, bro. It was a couple months ago. Brianna and I were at the thrift store. We love going thrifting and we're walking through the aisles. And for some reason, my older boys decided to teach our youngest two-year-old daughter how to hide in the clothes, right? You know that feeling. And I'm walking through and I'm going, oh my gosh, we lost Cece. She is gone. And I'm walking up and down aisles going, where is he? I, I start to, you know, raise my voice a bit. Cece, where are you? Cece, where are you? And I've taught her how to play hide and go seek well. And so she's hidden in between the clothes and Cove tells me, dad, she's probably in between the clothes. So then I just frantically go through all the clothes of this place smelling horrible. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just thrift store vibes. It's okay. And I get to it. And there she is like curled up hiding and she, you know, says hello. And I'm like overjoyed when I pick up my daughter. Come on, the lost are found. Those moments are irreplaceable. Even recently, I've been able to disciple somebody and they've come into the knowledge of Jesus on their own and cultivated their own relationship with God for the first time. And I tell you what, there is nothing like that moment when someone who is lost finally is Found. It's such a beautiful thing, and there's so much joy that's brought to the person who finds the lost possession, or even more when it's a lost person, even more when it's a lost soul. It's a beautiful moment. And really, there's this celebration that takes place in heaven every single time that a lost soul is found. See, the God of all creation, the one that we call Father, simply desires a relationship with each and every one of his children. For that relationship to happen, it starts with faith that's brought by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So picture it, the creator of the universe, the one who knows every single person's name, the one who fearfully and made every single person, and the one who knows every single number of hair on top of your head is waiting for his children to have faith and believe and choose to have a relationship with him. Think about it for a second. He could force a relationship with you at any point. He could break through the clouds and say, 
Hey, you gotta have a relationship with me. Whether you hate me or like me, you're gonna like it. But the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of what he's done is he gives us free will so that we can have a true, authentic relationship with him. See, I believe that God has appointed us in such a way and given us this incredible foundation, even in the beginning stages of our church, to fully dive into the Great Commission and to be the people that personally ensure that lost people in Tampa Bay region are found. That we would scour the streets, that we would search high and low for the lost. Just like even me with Cece looking through all the places, I tell you what, I believe that this is gonna be the command for our house, that we aren't gonna stop until we find that person who has been hiding, who has been lost, who has been abandoned, who doesn't even know where they are, doesn't know why they're hiding. Come on, I believe this is the year where we're gonna scour the streets and we're gonna find the lost. We're gonna lead people into life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on, this isn't about waiting for God to do it. Or even just praying. Those are powerful things. No, Jesus said, go. Go into all the world. So we are going to pursue and lead people. And if you turn in your Bibles to Luke 15, I want to bring some clarity and intentionality to our word of the year. Jesus often speaks in the mysteries of heaven. He loves to tell these stories that we call parables. It's estimated that a third of Jesus' teaching were parables all relating to the kingdom of God. And the Hebrew word for parable means riddle. And the Greek word means to throw alongside uh, like a farmer who's sowing seed. So firstly, I want you to hear me today, church. I believe that we need to unfold and unwrap the mysteries of the riddles that Jesus is talking about, just like the disciples who continually ask Jesus, what does this even mean? And secondly, I believe the throw alongside is in direct correlation that these stories can be thrown right long aside our lives. So we should be examining and reflecting every single word to see how we fit in the story. Are you with me? So there are three parables that I want to reflect on and put ourselves into. And with that, I want to make the choice of who we will be in the stories as a church collectively to take hold of our calling and our mission as a body of believers. The first parable, the first riddle, the first throw alongside is Luke 15, three through seven. When Jesus told them this parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together, rejoice with me. I have found my what? My lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. Parable number two, Luke 15, eight through 10. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my what? I have found my what? My lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels over God, over one sinner who repents. Parable number three, Luke 15, 11 through 32. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one, said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. 
Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him out to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and I'm here starving to death? I will set out, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put, him on, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was what? Lost and is now found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son in the field, when he came near the house, heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come. He replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him safe back with him, safe and sound. And the older brother became very angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, I've been with you for all these years. I've been slaving with you and never dis disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you were always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. These three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, I believe that there are three ways we can put ourselves into each one of these, and I want to unfold that for you. First one, the, the lost sheep. We have the shepherd, the sheep, and the flock. The shepherd is the one who loves his lost sheep and will do whatever he can to bring his sheep home. The sheep is someone who is lost but doesn't know their way back home. How many of these people we know in our life? People that are lost. They know that they're lost, they know what the power of church has done. They know what God has done in their life, but they're out and about in the world, lost in addictions, lost in sin, lost in broken relationships, and they don't know how to find their way back home. And the last character in this first parable is the flock, the 99 who remain in the pen and don't need to repent. We can choose one of the three. With the lost coin, we can either be the woman, the coin, or the nine remaining coins. The woman is someone who searches for the coin frantically until she finds it. The coin is someone who is lost but doesn't know that they're lost, right? Can we even picture this today? The amount of people we know in the grocery stores, the amount of people that we know in and through our workplaces that don't even know that they're lost yet, but they are lost. They don't know the gospel message. They've never been enlightened to what Jesus has done for them. They're lost and they don't know they're lost. And the last character is the nine coins. It's the person who just remained. 
And with the lost son, there is the father, the son, or the brother. Three different characters we can be. We can be the father, the one who welcomes home. We can be the son, the lost person who knows they're lost and they know the way back home, but they're not ready to come home yet. Right? A little side note right here. Can we just have a real conversation? I want to give a side note about deconstruction. See, people who are lost and they know the way back home, these are people who have really deconstructed their faith and haven't reconstructed it yet. See, deconstruction, I believe, is actually such a beautiful thing as long as it's rooted in a relationship with the living God and is followed by reconstructing our doctrine as a body. The problem is most prodigal sons are deconstructing and the lost in a pool are lost in a pool of deconstruction with no relationship or desire to reconstruct. It's dangerous. Prodigals. And the brother is the last character, is the one who found the whole who was found the whole time, yet resented the returning of the brother. Come on. Regardless of where you're at currently and where you land in each of these stories, do you see the powerful correlation between them all? At the end of each of them, what happens? There is a rejoicing and a celebration that takes place when the lost is found. Do you see it? The shepherd rejoicing over the lost sheep that has been found and he brought it home. He even puts it on his shoulders, carries this sheep home to say, I'm going to carry you back home. You don't know your way back home? I'm going to go find you. I'm going to search everywhere I possibly can. I'm going to leave the comfort of my flock and I'm going to put you, the lost person, on my shoulders and bring you home. Come on, there's even the woman searching for the lost coin, scouring, looking everywhere, not, not just sitting back and going, man, it's nice that I have these nine coins. No. I'm going to look for that lost coin and I'm going to make sure that it finds the gospel. And the father that's rejoicing and running towards the son and welcoming him back home. In all of these stories, the lost are found and welcomed home. And I believe that God wants for us as a church and what we are positioned for is to be the shepherd going for the one. It's to be the woman searching everywhere for the coin. It's to be the father with open arms and a welcome home. Come on, the lost are found. We're not going to be just a seeker-friendly church that waits for people to wander through the four walls of these buildings. No, we're going to go into all the world, into the streets, into the homes, and we're going to pursue the calling of Jesus until all the lost are found. And I believe that 2023 is the year of stepping into the uncomfortable for Jesus. The temptation at a church plant is to be the 99. Just wait. Just wait for it to happen. God, build your church. Like, God, you know, that's such a dangerous thought that we go, okay, yeah, God, he's just building this church and I'm not gonna do anything but just sit here and just be present. And it's like, no, no, no. Listen, he says, yes, he's gonna build this church, but he also says to go into the world and make disciples of every nation. Come on, church. The temptation as a church plan is to be the nine coins. To keep doing what you're doing, it's enough. There's value in it. There's power. Yeah, you might have lost one coin, but you still got nine. No, I'm telling you, God is calling us to search and to scour for the one that is lost. And I believe when it comes to the brother, that when you live as the 99 sheep or as the nine, coin, or the nine coins for too long, you become the brother of the prodigal son. Unaware of the blessings in your own life and unwilling to celebrate the lost, making it all about himself. Come on, we're going to break the mold. We are not going to live in the 99 or the 9. We're going to stand as the one saying, no, I'm going to be the shepherd. I'm going to be the woman searching for the lost coin. And I'm going to be the father who runs and pursues and welcomes home this year. We're going against the grain. All of these main characters of the parable are, are foolish in the eyes of everyone. Think about it. 
What kind of shepherd would leave 99 perfectly good sheep and run away when the majority are still there? What kind of person, after losing one coin, would tear apart their house, searching high and low, sweeping, just for one coin when they have nine perfectly usable coins? And think about it. Why would a father who has every right to shame his son, and even according to the culture of that time, perform a ceremony called a kazaza that was intentionally designed by the people to shame and reject and remove that person forever who squandered their inheritance on other lands? Yet the father, picture this, runs past the townspeople who would have gone and banished him for the father. He runs past the townspeople, stands in the gap, protects his son, and welcomes him back home into his inheritance. This is what God is calling us to, the lost are found. I believe we're going against the grain in 2023. We're gonna do exactly what Jesus called us to do. It might feel backwards. It's gonna be uncomfortable. We're gonna have to get undignified. But I tell you what, I want to live like there's no tomorrow on earth. I want to live like I'm emptying hell and filling up heaven. I don't want to wait like it's the 90, like the 99 sheep or like the nine coins or the brother. I can see the writing on the wall. It's time to go. Come on, revival is here. The move of God is here. I'm going to invite the band up. Jesus was our perfect example every step of the way. In Luke 19, 10, He said, the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. His priority when he came to earth, he makes it so clear. He's like sitting with his disciples who are probably like, yeah, he came and we're we're good. Like we're in this moment. He goes, no, listen, you have to understand. Now that you're with me, you have to understand my main priority is to find the lost. And in Mark 2, 17, I read it earlier. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. His focus and priority was calling the sinners. Come on, we have to get uncomfortable. We have to step outside of what what feels good. And I say it all the time and I'll say it again. Church is not a vending machine. It's not a place for us to come and experience the feel goods of worship and get an encouraging TED talk and get out of here and make, make life happen and try to survive Monday through Saturday. No, this is a calling. This is an assignment. This is the body of Jesus Christ operating and doing what he has called and commissioned us to do. So we're going to get uncomfortable this year. You have coworkers, I'm sure you could even think of right now, that you go, they are lost, and I know I'm the only one who could find them. There's going to be people that that are random people that you don't even really know, but you know they're lost, and you're going to find them. I had a meeting with a guy of a potential office space this last week, and we sat there for an hour as this guy poured out his life story to me. It's supposed to be a professional meeting. I'm like, oh, okay, this is a pastoral meeting now. This guy listened to my sermon last weekend and goes, I was so inspired, and I really believe in what you guys are doing, and he's not even saved. Come on, we have to go. There are people who need the love of Jesus. And Jesus, before sending the disciples out on the mission field, spoke this. Matthew 9, 35. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news in the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Come on, if you just read Matthew. Like, I, I'll just challenge you. Come on, spend some time this week and just read through Matthew. All you're going to see is how Jesus went, and everything was just to 
acknowledge people and, and the big theme is to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of heaven. He's healing diseases and sicknesses. Verse 36, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. You can see it. He came to save the lost. 37, and then he said to his disciples, you can just picture, picture this moment. Him and his disciples standing there, seeing people be harassed, seeing people all around them. And he, he leans to them and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send the workers out into his harvest field. The harvest is plentiful, and the workers are few. He's not just saying, like, I think sometimes we can read this scripture and we go, God, I just pray that you'd send people. Go send them. Help people go find the lost people. I'm going to pray that in this region, God, that people would find. Like in Tampa, Lord, I pray that, that the workers will go out. Jesus is speaking directly to the disciples. He's saying, listen, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers, look at you. You're few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send you. I want to send you out to make disciples of every nation, to see the lost be found. I pray that's our prayer today, that we would approach Jesus with that same heart and say, send me. We're going to find the people who are lost and can't find their way back home. We're going to find the people who are lost and don't even know that they're lost. And we will be a place of welcome home where people know where to come and where to be found. It's time to go. It's time to reach the lost. It's time to tell the world about the love of Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? Oftentimes when we read the story of the prodigal son, we affiliate that word prodigal with the simple definition which means rashly or wastefully extravagant. Yeah, it makes sense. He had his inheritance. He, he wastefully was extravagant and he went out and he used it. We look at him with a negative connotation. How could this guy, how could he do that? How could he waste the father's inheritance? How could he, how could you ever take what has been given to you, this great gift and squander it? There's another definition for prodigal that I think I've missed my whole life. And I'm so challenged today. This is the word that's been burning in my heart. I'm so challenged to view it in a different viewpoint from now on. The other definition means to lavish or generous or extravagant. So often I've looked at the prodigal son, like how could he ever do that? And it's all just, it's the grace by the father and I go, wait, I can re rephrase this and now I can go, look at the grace and the love that God lavishes on the sons who are lost. He's been extravagantly lavished with the grace of God. He's a prodigal. Yeah, he might've been a lost person, but he's a person that God loves so much that he will pour out his blessing over and over and over. He'll put a robe around you. He'll put a ring around you. Come on, every person is that valuable to Jesus. He'll leave the 99 to find the one. He'll scour the house. He even has the nine and he's gonna find that one. 
Come on, church. He's not just going to wait back for the brother to come. He's going to run. He's going to pursue. He's going to kill the fattened calf. And he's going to lavish his grace on the lost. And he's calling each and every one of us to pick up the mantle, to pick up the flame, to let it burn inside of us so that the lost are found. Starting next week, we're starting a three-week sermon series. I'm asking, I'm asking if this is your home, be here. The next four weeks, be here. Do whatever you can to be in this house. Participate in what God is doing because we are moving forward towards what God has for us. We're starting a sermon series starting next week entitled The Harvest Is Now. And we're going through the fundamentals of modern evangelism. What does it look like to be a modern evangelist in today's day and age? We're gonna to try to make it as normal and apply it to your life and let you run in it. Come on, we gotta be the salt. We gotta be the light. We gotta be a lighthouse on a hill shining, drawing people near to us. We gotta be able to have conversations. We gotta be able to tell our testimonies. I believe stories can change lives. We're gonna focus on that. And on February 5th, everyone say February 5th, we're doing our second Invite Sunday. And this is gonna be a day where it's gonna be so easy to invite people. We're gonna have amazing food. We're gonna have bounce houses for kids. Come on, we're gonna really go out and reach our city. We're gonna make sure we equip you with touch cards, with posters. We're gonna go nuts on social media. Everybody raise your hand and say, I'm gonna go nuts on social media. Come on, we're gonna create a space where lost can be found and we can welcome people home. Even if you don't know how to present the gospel message, all you gotta do is get them in this place and they're gonna encounter the presence of God and we'll present a seeker-friendly message where the lost can be found. So when you leave today, we're gonna put a card in your hand and it's a faith card. There's three slots on it of people you are gonna invite that you know need to be in this house on Invite Sunday. There's a faith line, and I love this one. This one's the scariest line. Of the number of unsaved people you're bringing to church on Invite Sunday. A faith card. Why don't we speak it out? How often are we just waiting? Like, yeah, if it happens, it happens. No, we're going to speak in faith. God, would you use us? Come on, we're a faith-filled community. Would you use us? And I believe I could bring even one. I could bring even two people that don't know Jesus to encounter the presence of God and the gospel message. On your seats, we're a fast card. Everybody grab that and hold it up and wave it at me. It should be on the ground if you didn't see it. Starting tomorrow, we're gonna do two weeks of prayer and fasting. There's four different ways in which you can fast. I love to break it up every three days. I switch it up and I go from a selective fast to maybe something more like a Daniel fast to more of an all water fast. I love to move it around. And we're gonna pray specifically for some things in our church, but primarily we are gonna pray that the lost are found. And we're gonna believe for a revival. We're gonna believe for a movement of God in our city. When you walk out of the doors, you're gonna be given a mug that has our logo, the lost are found on it, so that every day you can go and turn it around and say, today is the day that the lost will be found. You're also gonna get a bracelet to wear on your wrist for the rest of the year and say, today is gonna be a day where the lost are found, reminders all around us. I know we've taken a little bit longer and we're probably gonna have to delay our next service, so I just wanna take two more seconds together. You would bow your heads and close your eyes. It'd be a shame to present the love of Jesus and the gospel message in this way and not just create an opportunity for those of you who would say that you are 
the lost sheep, that you are the lost coin. You don't know you're lost, but today it was enlightened to you. Or maybe you're the prodigal son that today you wandered back into the house and you're saying, today I'm making this home. I'm gonna give you just one opportunity. If you believe you're one of those areas and then you say, you know, I believe that Jesus is real and I believe what he did, he really did. And I wanna just acknowledge that I believe that. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess in your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So this moment is for every single one of you that would say, yeah, I'm in one of those three categories and I do believe in Jesus. I'm gonna count to three. If that's you, just raise your hand and just acknowledge this is the first step in your journey of faith and following Jesus. One, know that God loves you so much. He sent his one and only son for you. Two, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait any longer. You don't need all the answers. This is your moment. Three, if you're coming back to God, if you wanna give your life to Jesus, would you raise your hand right here? I see your hand. Hallelujah. Prodigals coming home. Anybody else? I see your hand in the back. Hallelujah. Anybody else? I want to give just a moment longer. Anybody that you would say, yeah, today, I just even want to rededicate my life. Come on, I see your hand. Hallelujah. Come on, you just want to rededicate your life. You want to give it over to God. This is your moment. I see your hand. Hallelujah. Come on, this is your moment. I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Come on, we believe salvation is breaking out in the room today. People needing an encounter with God and saying, today is the day that I want to be saved. Come on, anybody else? One moment. Well, come on, church. Can we celebrate the people who raised their hands today? This is so exciting and amazing. We're so glad that you had the faith enough to say that and to raise your hand. This is your moment. I want to challenge you with something. We're going to pray a prayer in a second. Pray it like you mean it. Don't allow this just to be a, a, a thing where you're in an emotional state and you're raising your hand. No, this is the moment of salvation for you. This is the moment of returning home. And I believe your life will never be the same. So don't let yourself wander. You're going to go find the Connect booth in the lobby. We'll get a Bible in your hand. The team is going to help you. Even if you don't feel comfortable with that, find somebody you trust around you. Grab them and say, listen, I need help. I need to walk and pursue after God all the days of my life. We're so glad you made that decision. I want to do something that we've never done. It can be a little bit weird, but let's just jump into the uncomfortable. Is that okay? I told you we're going to be a little uncomfortable. I want to ask us all to bridge the aisles and the gaps and grab hands with the believers next to us. I think this is a powerful symbol of the body of Christ being joined together, unified under one mission, under one name. This is the launching. This, this is not a joke. I don't know. I don't, like, I'm just, I'm so serious about this. I feel it's so burning within every part of my body. This is the launching of what God is going to do in and through our lives. We will look back on this day and tell stories to our grandkids. It's going to be an amazing year of seeing the harvest right here, right now in this city. What I want to do is I simply want to pray. And I'm going to ask every saint in the room to agree with me in prayer. You guys could join hands too back here. You guys worshiping. Let's join hands. Hey, I see you guys side stage. Join hands. Come on. This is it. Join hands. Up in the booth, join hands. Guys, we're in this thing. This is, this is our commission. And so if you would just Keep your eyes lifted 
and look around you as I pray this prayer. First of all, I wanna say this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. And surely he will be with you always to the very end of the age. Our response in this moment, unified as the body of Christ, send us. Send us. We ask you, you say the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send you. Send us. Come on, in your own words, just full of faith right now. Would you say, send me? Send me. And then just change it and say, send us. Send us, God. I pray that this year would be a year where people remember that they're fearfully and wonderfully made by a creator, God, who loves them so much. I pray that this year would be a year where we are set apart and sanctified for the gospel, where we can be a beacon of your light, where the ways of the world have no hold on us, where addictions are broken. Lord, I pray for miracle working power, that when we pray for people, bodies are mended, marriages are mended, addictions are broken. Lord, I pray that even anxiety, depression, mental illnesses would be broken. Lord, I pray for the harvest to come. Would you use us? Would you send us? Would you equip us? Would you empower us? Oh, Holy Spirit, we fan into flame the gift of God that you gave us. And right now, Lord, I pray we will operate in power, in love, and in self-discipline until all the world knows that you love us and you are for us. And so, God, right now, send us. We believe that the lost will be found in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's sing this bridge together. Come on, let's declare it out. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.